Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 31st of October. India's COVID-19 tally went past the 8.1 million or 81 lakh mark today with an addition of over 48,000 new cases in the last 24 hours. More than 500 deaths were reported nationwide, taking the death toll beyond 1.21 lakh. The number of active COVID-19 cases in the country, however, dropped under the 6 lakh mark, while over 74 lakh people have recovered from the virus. The country's COVID recovery rate crossed 91%, while the fatality rate remained at 1.49%. Moving on to COVID updates from different states, Maharashtra, the state that remains the worst hit by the pandemic, reported over 6,000 cases in the last 24 hours. Delhi today reported over 5,000 new infections for the third day in a row. The city yesterday had reported its highest-ever daily count of COVID-19 infections, crossing 5,800 new cases in one day. Delhi Health Minister Satendra Jain emphasised yesterday on the importance of wearing face masks, pointing out that people should consider them as a vaccine against the virus till the time one is available. In the wake of the pandemic, Uttarakhand's iconic Jol GB Mela, a century-old trade fair, will not be organised this year. This annual fair that is organised in Dharchala started in 1911 and would once attract merchants and traders from the neighbouring Nepal, Tibet and China. It is most famous for its sale of raw wool and traditionally made warm clothes. The organisers of the fair decided to not hold the trade activity this year as it would not be possible to maintain COVID-19 protocols. Campaigning for the second phase of the Bihar Assembly elections is underway. The second phase of polling is scheduled to take place on 3rd of November. According to the Election Commission sources, re-elections have not been recommended by observers in any of the 71 seats that went to polls on 28th of October, which was the first phase of polling. The chief electoral officer of the state, in his report based on inputs by returning officers and district election officers, said that re-polling was not required in any of the seats. Meanwhile, all major parties have announced rallies and roadshows to campaign for the remaining two phases. According to the Periodic Labour Force Survey of 2018 and 19, almost half of Bihar's population, that is 49% of people, are engaged in agriculture. Yet, the issues of reform and empowerment of Bihar's farmers struggled to find the spotlight among the barrage of issues that took to the fore. Even as both the incumbent and the opposition government focused on issues of generating local employment to prevent migration, development in the agricultural sector failed to find a mention. As politicians engage in name-calling and petty politics in the poll-bound state, our reporter Basant is consistently bringing you ground realities of various sections and institutions of society from the state of Bihar. Do you have the mobile number of the Prime Minister's office? Can we talk to them? Ask Modiji to speak to farmers here during his monkey bath, then we shall tell him about our problems. If a farmer from India has to commit suicide, then those farmers will be from this region. Shashi Bhushan Singh's voice was filled with emotion. He is a farmer from Ota village in the Mokama Assembly segment of Patna district in Bihar, which is a part of the state's Tal region, a local name for the area spanning several districts. Mokama's Tal region, home of political strongmen like the Lok Janshakti Party's Suraj Bhan Singh and the Rashtriya Janta Dal's Anand Singh, is popularly known as the Lentil Bowl of Bihar. The route from Nalanda to Mokama passes through several agricultural regions, but most of them are underwater. 
This is the irony of Makama. Its residents are forced to purchase lentils instead of produce them due to severe waterlogging in their fields. The fields resemble vast rivers and lakes, a consequence of the annual flooding. Along the banks of the Ganga, about 1.06 lakh hectares of agricultural fields in Lakhimpura, Patna, Shikhpura and Nalanda districts, called the Kisan Tal, are annually submerged by flooding. Pulses are the crops of choice in these parts. Typically, the receding waters would leave behind fertile soil and farmers would then sow their crops. But in the last three years, the flood waters have not receded in time. This October, for instance, the fields remained submerged, the water waist-high in some places, and farmers told News Laundry that there will be no crop this year. This was an excerpt from Basan's ground report titled, In Bihar's Lentil Bowl Region, Farmers Struggle for Income and Livelihood. I urge you to read this report and the other ground reports from the Bihar Assembly election series after listening to this podcast. These reports are a part of News Laundry Sena series where our viewers, readers and listeners fund specific stories that they want to hear more about. So, a big shout out to all the folks who contributed to make the Bihar election series see the light of day. Also, if you want to see more reports like this, you can become a regular supporter of News Laundry by subscribing. That will really help us in the long run because we are an ad-free news platform that firmly believes in keeping news independent from any advertiser's influence, be it big corporates or the government itself. So head to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. In his address on the occasion of National Unity Day, which also marks the 145th birthday of Sardar Vallabhbhai Patel, Prime Minister Narendra Modi spoke about the Pulwama attack, which had regained the spotlight after certain comments were made in Pakistan Parliament. The Prime Minister, while attacking the opposition, said, and I quote, The country can never forget when India was mourning the death of its sons, some people were not a part of that grief. They were looking for selfish gains in the Pulwama attack. Unquote. He urged the people of the country to not play into the hands of those who questioned the sacrifice of the soldiers in Pulwama. The Prime Minister also added that he had silently endured the opposition's allegations and stayed away from controversies. He was referring to Rahul Gandhi's tweet from the one-year anniversary of the Pulwama attack in which he had questioned as to who had benefited the most from the attack. Referring to the recent comments by Pakistan's Science and Technology Minister Fawad Chaudhry, the Prime Minister said, and I quote again, The admissions made in the parliament of the neighbouring country has revealed the true face of these people. The kind of politics they indulged into in the aftermath of the Pulwama attack shows the level they can stoop to. Unquote. The comments that were being referred to by the Prime Minister came two days ago. Fawad Chaudhry on Thursday had said in the Pakistan parliament, allegedly referring to the Pulwama attack, and I quote, Hamne Hindustan ko ghuske mara, meaning, we hit India in their home. Unquote. Chaudhry later claimed, however, that he was referring to a Pakistani airstrike inside India that had taken place on February 27, 2019. He clarified that he was not referring to the terror attack on the Indian paramilitary convoy in Pulwama. But by the time the clarification was issued, political comments had already created a stir in India with various union ministers, including the likes of Rajnath Singh, INB Minister Prakash Jaurikar and the Prime Minister himself, having made pointed statements on the issue. In another update from Jammu and Kashmir, Scroll has reported that the families of the three men who were killed in South Kashmir the day before yesterday claimed that they were not BJP workers. This comes after the BJP said that the men who were killed were workers of the BJP. 
Altaf Thakur, a prominent BJP face in the valley, said that the Thursday's incident had taken the number of BJP workers and leaders killed in Kashmir this year to nine. Five of these killings had taken place in the districts of South Kashmir, the epicenter of the local militancy. The attack took place three days ago after the old land laws were scrapped and amended in the valley as new ones were chartered. The Kashmir police chief Vijay Kumar had told reporters yesterday that Lashkar e Taiba was responsible for the attacks. The police had also added that the three men, Fida Hossein Yatu, Umar Ramzan Hajam, and Harun Rashid Beg, were BJP workers. According to Scroll's report from the ground, however, the families of the killed men have distanced themselves from the BJP and refused to accept that they worked for the party. After the abrogation of Kashmir's special status last year, widespread anger in the valley has put at risk the lives of BJP workers in the territory. Around August 5th this year, the Kashmir police had identified 1,619 people vulnerable to attack. Following Punjab and Chhattisgarh, the Congress government in Rajasthan introduced three bills in the state assembly today. This was done to counter the central government's new farm laws that were cleared by the parliament last month. On the first day of the assembly session, Rajasthan's Parliamentary Affairs Minister Shanti Dhariwal introduced three farm bills along with an additional bill. The farm bills included the Essential Commodities Special Provisions and Rajasthan Amendment Bill 2020, the Farmers Empowerment and Protection Agreement on Price Assurance and Farm Services Rajasthan Amendment Bill of 2020, and the Farmers Produce Trade and Commerce Promotion and Facilitation and Rajasthan Amendment Bill 2020. Since these are bills that have been introduced by a state assembly to counter the centre's laws, they will require the assent of the country's president after being passed by the state assembly. Earlier in October, the Punjab Assembly had also passed four new state farm bills, including three amendment bills, striking down key provisions of the centre's laws and barring the sale and purchase of wheat or paddy below the minimum support price. The Chhattisgarh Assembly too had cleared the Chhattisgarh Krishi Upaj Mandi Amendment Bill of 2020. This bill had declared the entire state as a market for selling agricultural produce to protect its farmers from the centre's farm laws. We all know how the new farm bills, which bring in sweeping reforms in India's agricultural sector, were bulldozed through the parliament. This happened despite farmers and opposition parties holding widespread protests, saying that the reforms will be a death knell for India's agricultural sector. Now you must be probably wondering: Are these farm bills good or bad? Are the reforms to the agriculture sector proposed by the Modi government beneficial to farmers, or are they harmful? News Laundry's resident parliament nerd Meghnath explained what the reforms are all about and how they will affect farmers in his explainer on NewsLaundry.com. Do check it out. And now for some international updates. 45.5 million people around the world have been infected with COVID-19 so far, and more than 1.19 million out of them have lost their lives to the pandemic. A record number of new coronavirus infections were reported in the United States for the second day running, with more than 94,000 cases. This comes days before the scheduled presidential elections. While the soaring caseload has pushed the country's tally past 9 million cases, President Trump has promised that no further restrictions will be imposed if he wins a second term. Europe, meanwhile, has stopped 10 million cases, and countries like France and Italy have introduced new restrictions despite widespread protests. The surge in cases is forcing other countries to do the same. Germany has set a new record for daily coronavirus cases, reporting more than 19,000 new infections. Ukraine also registered a daily COVID-19 record, recording more than 8,700 new cases. 
Now moving on to some non-COVID stories, at least 27 people were killed and 800 injured in a devastating earthquake that hit Izmir in Turkey and the Greek islands of Samos yesterday. Turkey's Disaster and Emergency Authority said that the earthquake on Friday, measuring about 7 in magnitude, had struck at 2:51 p.m. local time. 407 aftershocks were recorded overnight. The earthquake originated about 11 miles off Izmir province and 8 miles north of Samos at a relatively shallow depth of about 10 miles. Officials in the city of Izmir have said that 25 people were killed in coastal areas on the Turkish side, while two teenagers died on the Greek island of Samos after a wall collapsed on them. The authorities reported that at least 20 buildings in the city have been destroyed. The scale of destruction captured on video showed entire building blocks being razed to rubble, water gushing through the streets in coastal towns after tsunami alert, and people running out of buildings in sheer frenzy. The larger part of the damage was caused in and around Turkey's Aegean resort city of Izmir. The city has 3 million residents and is filled with high-rise apartment blocks. Bulldozers removed debris from the collapsed buildings as rescue teams dismantled walls to reach those stuck inside the rubble. The Environment Minister of Turkey said that some 100 people had been rescued so far. Reuters reported that in central Izmir, rescuers were seeking to save a mother and her four children from the remains of a building. Relatives waited outside another collapsed building. One Izmir resident who did not want to be named said both her parents were still trapped. The leaders of Turkey and Greece who are currently at loggerheads over the exploration rights in the eastern Mediterranean spoke over phone yesterday. The heads of states on both sides exchanged condolences through Twitter. A Mexican journalist has been shot dead in crime-ridden Ciudad Juarez near the US border in Mexico. Arturo Alba Medina is the sixth journalist to have been murdered this year in Mexico, one of the world's most dangerous countries for reporters. According to Media Watchdog reporter Sans Borders, the 49-year-old journalist and TV news show host was murdered a few minutes after the end of his program on Thursday night. In early August, another journalist was killed in the state of Guerrero along with a police officer. In May this year, gunmen killed the owner of a newspaper and one of the policemen who had been assigned to protect him in northern Sonora state following earlier threats. Murders have jumped in Mexico in the last 2 years, underscoring the challenges the president has faced since taking office in December 2018 with a promise to reduce violence in the country ravaged by notorious drug cartels. Most of the deaths have been linked to infighting between drug gangs. More than 100 reporters and other media workers have been murdered since 2000 in Mexico. The country has been consistently ranked along with Syria, Afghanistan and the Philippines as among the world's most dangerous countries for news media. In fact, even in the recent Global Impunity Index of 2020, published by the Committee to Protect Journalists that spotlights countries where journalists are singled out for murder and their killers go free, Mexico features at number 6. In case you're thinking our country is much better off, well, let me break it to you. India was ranked as the 12th worst country on the index right after Russia. Since 1992, at least 36 journalists have been murdered in our country and we have only seen convictions in two out of these cases. To know more about this, do watch my latest interview with Alia Iftikhar from the Committee to Protect Journalists. You'll find the video on newslaundry.com or on our YouTube channel. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. 
help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.